Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. So Mary has an encounter with Jesus where he reveals to her that he is risen. And you can see in her countenance, you can see in the way that she responds and reacts that this is good news to her. I mean, she loved Jesus. She adored him. She, she followed him. She gave her life to, to follow him. He was, he was special to her. And so when he was crucified, when she watched him hanging on a cross and buried, she grieved. It hurt her. And so she went to the tomb. She was there to go and to, to, to um, anoint his body. She, was, she had gone to, to appreciation and her, her, her love for him even when he was dead. And then to her amazement, she finds out that he's not there. And then she has this encounter with someone that she's not sure who it is, a gardener, she thinks, until he speaks to her and he says her name, Mary. And then she's filled with joy. And he tells her that he has risen. And then he says to go and tell the rest of the disciples. And so she runs back. She goes back to the disciples and she finds them. And she tells them this message. I have seen the Lord. Can you see the response of someone who understands and receives the revelation of the resurrection? It is, I have seen the Lord. And I want to go and tell others that I have seen him, that he is indeed risen, that he is alive. I don't know about you, but the first time I encountered Jesus, when I came to that revelation, that saving faith in Christ, I wanted to tell the whole world. I would have jumped up on seats and told people, Jesus is real, like he has set me free. He is powerful. He, he forgives us. He loves you to passionately proclaim the good news. And so Mary goes back and she tells the disciples. She tells them that, that, that he has risen. And we don't see in this gospel account what their reaction was, but we can see in another that they were kind of not too sure about her message. But then John writes it here that in uh, verse 19, it says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. That's a miracle. That's pretty cool. And he says, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Hello. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. My hope is that you are filled with joy this morning as you see the Lord. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them. Couldn't do that right now. Get in trouble. Then he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive anyone's sins, they are not forgiven. So Jesus appears to them. So Mary's told them he's risen. And there were probably some questions. But then they're meeting together. And we're told by John that they are meeting behind locked doors. 
because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. By this time, if you read in Matthew 28, you'll see that there's already been rumors being spread around that the disciples have stolen Jesus' body. That the, the Roman guards had thought, his body's not there, what are we going to do? And so in Matthew 28, you can read it, they, they said, look, let's come up with an idea that the disciples took his body away. And we can blame them and they can get in trouble. So there's people looking for them. They're in a, in a, in a state of fear. And they've locked the door. And Jesus appears. You know what's good news? There is no locked door that can keep Jesus' presence out. Even the hardest of hearts who have put bolts on the door, if Jesus wants to appear and show you who he is, then he can do it. There is no door that can keep him out. They had locked themselves away from the world. And Jesus appears to them. And his first words, peace be with you. I'm pretty, you know, I'm probably guessing that they were a little bit freaked out. Like they're in the room, they're hiding, they're afraid. And then Jesus just kind of pops up. No wonder he says, peace be with you. Probably calming them down a bit, like just chill, it's me. Peace with you, shalom with you. But it's true that wherever his presence is, there is peace. So as he walks in this room filled with fear, locked away, and he says, peace be with you. And then he shows them the evidence of his resurrection. He shows them the holes in his hands and the wound in his side. He shows them, he, he, he shows them this. Have a look. This is proof. This is, this, it's me. This is what, it, it is me. And so then they are blown away. And we read that it says that they are filled with joy. They are filled with joy. That was their response when they found the, when, when God gave them the revelation of the resurrection. There was joy in their hearts. Know that they didn't just take the word from Mary, that Jesus himself showed them that he is who he is. It's important that we know that God is the only one that can reveal God. God is the only one that can truly reveal God. I can tell you about him, I can preach the gospel, we can sing worship songs about him. But it is only God by His Spirit who brings revelation of who He really is. I can't convince you. I can't argue you into a revelation of God. He has to bring the revelation that He is who He says He is. So it's important for us to note that Jesus Himself showed these disciples that He was risen. But I, I, I want to hold on to that, that thought that, that they had locked themselves away. And, and there is nothing that can stop Jesus from reaching those that he loves. We can try and shut ourselves off. We can try and shut ourselves away. We can build up walls. But his grace is going to keep knocking on that door. His grace is going to keep pursuing you. You can try and walk away. You can try and give up. But he loves you and he's going to look for you. And he's going to keep knocking on the door. And I don't say that to freak you out. Because <laughs> you might be thinking, I can't get away. Like he's kind of stalking me. That's not what I'm saying. I want to encourage you. 
that even when you wander, he's looking for you. He's calling you home. He wants you to come back. His arms are open wide. On this cross, his, his arms were open wide to you and to me. And we can try and lock him out, but he'll come and he'll knock and he'll knock. And maybe you've seen it, those little evidences of his grace. When something's gone wrong or something's happened and you kind of, you know what, I'm just going to kind of do my own thing for a bit. And you see him do something, call you back, reminds you of something that he's done. He wants you. He'll show himself to you. We had a, a lady, you know, at the end of every service, we give an opportunity for people to respond to the gospel. And we usually do that by just saying, let's have a conversation if you've got questions. And we had a lady come in who uh, was from a Muslim background. She, she came to the front and uh, she asked some questions about the Bible. She asked some questions about the resurrection. And this was only well, a couple of months ago. And she was asking me, you know, the questions that she had about the resurrection turned out that she had gone to three different churches or kind of churches. She went to a Mormon group. She went to the Catholic church and then she went to uh, another church locally here in Ellenbrook. And she was asking the same questions. And then when she was asking me about the resurrection, she was quoting what she'd been told by the Mormon guy who spoke to her. And I was like, no, that's not exactly what happened. From the scriptures, this is what we see. And I said, why, what brings you here anyway? Like, why are you asking these questions? You know what she said? Jesus appeared to me in a dream. He told me who he was. And now I'm looking for him. And I was like, wow. He will appear and he will get your attention. And you know what else she said? She goes, I understand that I have a Muslim family. And they're, they're, they're devout. And I understand that if I follow Jesus, that I'm going to be disowned by my family. You know what she said? This, took, this blew me away. It challenged me. She goes, but if he is real, then I have no other choice. If he is real, then I do not have a choice. I have to give everything, lay it all down to follow him. Jesus is getting people's attention. Maybe you're in this room today and there's been things happening that, that have been bringing you to the point where you are right now. Maybe he's trying to get your attention so that he can show you who he really is. And so he, he appears to them behind these locked doors and then, you know, a bit of a side note, but I felt like it is possibly a word for us, is in um, John 20, 22, what year are we in? 2022, it says that he breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. May this be the year that we receive the Holy Spirit, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. May this be a year where, where the life of God flows through you where you are filled with the Spirit. And this is echoing what took place in the garden, where He breathed life into mankind. He breathed life into His church, into those who are following Him. Then we read on in verse 24, 
And this is where it gets a little bit interesting. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, or Didymus, was not with the others when the Lord Jesus came. And so they told him, we have seen the Lord. So we saw Mary have an encounter with Jesus. And then she goes to the disciples and she says, we've seen the Lord. I have seen him. And then we read that when, when Jesus appeared in this room, that Thomas wasn't there. And so the disciples, they go and tell Thomas, we have seen the Lord. He is risen. They do exactly what Mary did. Their response is to go and tell. And then Thomas replies, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. I put my fingers into them. I place my hand into the wound in his side. I'm not going to believe it unless I see it for myself. Now, we can be a little bit tough on Thomas, and we call him Doubting Thomas. But let's, let's think about what's happening in this scenario. Thomas missed the party. I mean, everyone else was there. All of the other disciples were gathered together, and Jesus appeared to them. He just popped up. He just appeared. It was miraculous. It would have got your attention. But Thomas, for whatever reason, wasn't there. We don't get the reason. We, 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 we don't know why he might have gone to the shops. He could have walked away. We, we have no idea why, but he wasn't there. And they were excited. They were fit. They come and they run and they say, Thomas, guess what? We saw him. He's alive. And Thomas is like, well, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. And so I, I want to see as well what you saw. And we can say, well, he had heaps of doubt. Thomas actually, he was a man that at one point, he asked questions. He asked Jesus, you know, how do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. And one, at one point, he actually said, let's go and we'll die for you, Jesus. Like, like he was bold at one point. But in his place right now, everyone else has seen Jesus except for him. Let's think of this from both perspectives. Let's have a think of this from both perspectives. From one perspective, you've got the disciples. They've had an encounter with Jesus. They've seen him. He's appeared. He's, he's, shown them, he's shown them that he is alive. And they are like filled with joy. And what do they do? They run and they want to tell people. And so they're like, Thomas, you missed out, man. We saw Jesus. He's alive. Just as he said. Did you just mute me? Is the clock gone over or something? Like they were excited. And maybe you can relate to this. You, you think of your perspective if you put yourself in their shoes. How many times have you had something happen that God's done and you've been like so excited and you go and tell someone and they're like, oh yeah, oh wow, prove it. Yeah, God really did that. Yep, prove it. Oh, a bit, that's a little hard to believe, isn't it? That's a bit tough for me to actually take. And you're like, yeah, it's true. I saw him. He did it. And you're met with that kind of resistance or sometimes even hostility where you say something like, oh, even when you, you know, you're wanting to share your faith maybe and you're trying to tell people about Jesus and, and, and they're like, yeah, I've heard it before. Oh, it sounds nice. I used to get this. Well, that's good for you. But 
You know, I'm a, I'm a different person. You know what? Their response doesn't change the fact that he was resurrected. They could say that it wasn't true. I tell you what, it was true. And their response doesn't determine or define whether it happened. It's, that's just their response. And so maybe we've been in the position where we're like those disciples who we want to tell people about what God has done. And you're met with like, hmm, huh, doubt, hostility. Can I encourage you today? Can I encourage you today to, to, to continue to speak of the goodness of God, regardless of the response? Because what can happen, and I've seen this before, is that we get turned off of telling people about Jesus because we already preempt what the response is going to be. But you never, never, never know when that seed that you're sowing is going to take root. You never, ever, ever know if you're, you know, they've already had 10 conversations about Jesus and you're the one that will just bring about some revelation as you're speaking. God brings revelation. Don't be discouraged by people's responses. You know, I felt this a couple of weeks ago that we are not responsible for conversion, but we are responsible for conversation. We can't do the work of conversion, but we can do the work of conversation. And our work of conversation, telling people about Jesus, showing them who he is, is not, it shouldn't be affected by the response. Don't get disheartened. I know it can, it can be real tough because you're filled with joy. And then Thomas is like, come on, bro. Really? Really? Jesus? Alive? Well, I want to see it for myself. You know, think of their perspective. But then let's consider Thomas's perspective. As I said before, he, he, he'd, he'd given his life as well. He, he dropped everything to follow Jesus. He was part of the group for all of these years. And then at this point in time, when, when this miracle happens, he's not there. And Jesus shows them his hands and his side. I used to think it, it was, you know, Thomas saying, oh, I want real physical proof. You know, he's only, he's only echoing what they actually saw. He's saying, well, if you saw that, I want to see that too. Think about his perspective. Sometimes it is hard to believe something that someone else is telling you if you have not experienced it. I'm sympathetic with Thomas because I see that, you know, it would have been difficult for him with everyone else getting the revelation and him missing it. Him just not being there for whatever purpose or whatever reason. And so when he says, well, I want to see it for myself. Do you know what? I actually commend that kind of attitude at times. When it's coming from a genuine heart, not from a place of cynicism or skepticism, where you're kind of like, Jesus, oh, if, that's, if God's real, then he can prove himself. But where he's saying, like, I, I want to see. I want to see what you saw. If Jesus can show you that, I want him to show me that. We had a young guy in our youth ministry who for, he's, he's, what, three or four years has been, he would tell you that he is close to the point of salvation. But he understands that he, his heart isn't really fully there. 
I commend that. Rather than him making an emotional response, because everyone else is, he is thinking through, do I actually believe this? And if I don't believe this, then I can't live as if I do. Now, we pray for him, and we believe that one day something's going to happen, but that's going to be God bringing revelation to him. And I'll tell you what, when it happens, that guy's going to be, he's going to be incredible. God is going to use him mightily. But he's at that point where he's kind of like, well, I know that you have seen it, but I'd like to see it for myself. Like, I would, I, I would like to. And maybe you're, you're in that place today. Maybe, maybe you're in a place today where it, it, it's real to everyone else. But I feel like I'm missing something. Like I, I feel like I don't have the full picture. I feel like, you know, I don't know if you've ever felt like, why is God speaking to everyone else? But He doesn't speak to me. Why, why is God doing a miracle in that person's life? But I see nothing. Or how come I'm going through this while they're all being blessed? Kind of like Tom, like, I, I, I want to see this. I want to know this for myself. I want, I want Jesus to show you. That he is real. Another side note, Thomas isn't there with the community. I, I really do think there is importance in being part of community. There, there is importance in being part of the family, in, be, in being there, in being in the room, in just being connected to other believers. There, there, there is this uh, there is importance in it. There is safety in numbers. There is safety in community. Not just our physical safety, but also our spiritual safety. I get a little bit weary or wary um, of particularly potential gospel ministers who are disconnected from community. And they have no body that they are attached to. They have no leadership. They have no spiritual oversight. And they kind of just bounce around from here to there, proclaiming the word of the Lord. But they are not in community or fellowship. I, I truly believe that that spiritual authority needs to come in spiritual submission. And there is strength and safety in community. And we see that. That, that Thomas just wasn't there, and so he misses out. But then we read on. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. This is almost identical to the, to, to the last time. This is an almost identical account to what took place before. Locked doors, disciples together, but this time Thomas was there. I kind of wonder if the fact that the disciples had told him what had happened maybe made him think, I'm going to be there. I'm going to, I, I want to see this for myself. But it took eight days. Eight days of doubt. Eight days of not having the answer. Eight days of not having the revelation. Eight days of everyone else celebrating, joyous, rejoicing that Jesus was there and you not having it. Have you ever been in that period of time where, where everyone else has got it? Where everyone else has got what they have been praying for? Where everyone else seems to have 
it all worked out and you're kind of like walking through that eight days time, maybe eight months time, maybe eight years time where you just don't have the answers, you don't have the revelation. And everyone else is rejoicing and they're living their, their, their Christ life right now. And you're like, what about me? What about me? Like, where, 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 where's the revelation? Can I say, hold on. Don't give up. Don't give up faith. Hold on. Because on the eighth day, Jesus appeared again. And it was like the, exactly like the other time. And this is what he says. The same word, peace be with you, he said. And then he looked, he said to Thomas, put your finger here, look at my hands, put your hand into the wound, don't be faithless any longer, believe. He gave Thomas exactly what he needed, the revelation that he needed, the revelation that the other disciples couldn't give him. Jesus himself appeared and showed him that he really was who he said he was. And that he had, in fact, risen. He brings revelation to Thomas's heart. He shows him after. He says, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And then what happens? Thomas, uh, Thomas's ex- response, he says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God, Thomas explained exclaimed then jesus told him you believe because you've seen me blessed are those who believe without seeing me which is potentially us today but when thomas had this revelation now himself where jesus didn't rebuke him where jesus didn't you know beat him up or bash him up because he didn't believe but came to him and showed him exactly what he'd showed the other disciples gave him the opportunity to receive the revelation for himself Thomas's exclamation was, my God, my Lord, my God. It became personal to him. Jesus was not just the Lord and the God of Peter or the other disciples. When he had this revelation, it became real to him. He is my God. He is my Lord. Maybe today we need our own revelation of Jesus. Not mum's revelation, not dad's revelation, not your spouse's revelation of Jesus, but your own revelation of Jesus. To know who he is for yourself so that you can say, not my mum's God or my dad's Lord, but my God, my Lord. And this became super real for me when I actually traveled over to India. This whole story of Thomas became really real when I traveled to India one time. And we, we arrived in Chennai, and, which was Madras earlier. Pretty hot place. Lots of people. Incredible culture. But our, 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 we, ha- we have a church um, friends over there in, in India. And uh, they took us to this place called where St. Thomas, where Thomas had actually been martyred. They took us to the place where his body had been buried. We've got some photos there, Phoebe. Can you show those photos? 
This is us looking at, it was like when I was 21. You know, looking at the, some of the artifacts or the, the things that they had found and um, keep going. This is where the tomb of Thomas was kept in Chennai. This is an altar that they had built. This is a rock. Now, this is you know, a bit of a story that they have. Like there's these there's these indents in the rock where they say Thomas used to pray when he used to pray so often in this place that there was like these things. But we see that Thomas, the the disciple that we may say doubted, eventually took the gospel to India. And he was martyred in India. History would tell us that they drove a massive spear into him to kill him. This is the same guy that we call Doubting Thomas. Something happened for him. Something happened to change his life to the point where he believed so much that he would give his life for Jesus. That he would give his life to preach the gospel. What was the change? What was the difference? It wasn't that the other disciples had the revelation. It was that he had his own revelation. That Jesus is alive. And that Jesus is God. That Jesus is Lord. He had the revelation. And it changed his life. He then gave his life for Jesus. Thomas was radically transformed. And this one moment, which I guess kind of, you know, we let define him as doubting Thomas. It was actually a refining moment. And it was a defining moment. Because it was from this point on that he had the revelation, Jesus is alive. And that revelation changed him. And you know what? That same revelation has been changing people ever since. That revelation changed me. That revelation has changed Tyler. That revelation has changed people sitting in this room. That Jesus is alive. And I said before, I cannot convince you of that. But as the word is preached, the Holy Spirit can bring conviction of that and bring revelation of that. And not just those who don't yet believe, but for us who do believe. I reckon there's more that God wants to show us. There's deeper places of revelation that he wants to take us. The question is, are you willing to respond to that call, to the knocking, to the knocking on your heart. He knocks and he calls. But then we look at the, the response. I want to go and tell someone. I want to go and tell someone. I want to go and tell someone that Jesus is risen. Team, if you guys could come. I want to put that to us as a church. If you've come this morning and you're celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive, that he's made it real to you, 
whilst you can't convince or convert someone else, you can tell people. And he says that in that passage, that as He says, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my God, to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And later on, he says, peace be with you, as the Father, our Father, has sent me, so I am sending you. So I am sending you to this world to preach the gospel to share the good news, to tell people about Jesus. So today is a Resurrection Sunday, but it's also Ascending Sunday. It's a Sunday when we come and we celebrate empty tomb, Jesus is alive, and then we go out and we tell the world, Jesus is alive. And let me say it again, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged by the response. You're not responsible for the response, just for sharing, for praying, for loving, for caring, and for giving people that message. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this truth that we see. You are risen. God, that you have risen from the grave. That you are alive. And you are the reason we're here this morning. We haven't come just to go through the motions. We've come to see you, to seek you, to know you. Lord, we pray for our own revelation of you. Pray that you would show each of us in this room who you are, even to another dimension, to another depth, that you would reveal yourself to us. God, we do put aside the skepticism, the cynicism that may grow in our hearts and come to you with open, soft hearts today delighting in your finished work but knowing that you haven't finished working in us God we invite that right now that you would do what only you can do in our hearts you would change our lives you would cause us to see Jesus for those of us in this room that have a religious idea of who you are. We've heard stories. We've been told the rituals, but we don't have a relationship. God, I pray that you would appear, that you would make yourself known. For those of us that have distorted ideas, perceptions of you because of our experience maybe because of what we've been taught I pray that you by your spirit would break those things down and show us Jesus who you really are 
Reveal yourself to each of us, I pray. And to those of us in this room that are in that place where we're kind of questioning or we don't know, we don't necessarily believe, then I pray that you would bring revelation today to the heart that seeks you, to the heart that wants to know you. Lord, that you would show yourself true this morning. We don't want to wait another day. God, we want to see you for who you really are today. If you are here this morning and that personal revelation of who Jesus is, not just being told about Jesus, not just being preached about Jesus, but you knowing Jesus yourself, then I'm going to invite you to just raise your hand as a sign of your openness to Him, as a sign of you saying, I want to know Him. Just lift your hand. Yeah. Let today be the day of revelation for you to really, really know Him. If you lift your hand, I'm going to pray for you, pray with you, and ask God to make Himself real to you. Today would be that day for you. He would show you who He really is. Father, we thank you for new life. God, we thank you for the response to the gospel this morning. We thank you for a heart that is being transformed, a life that is being regenerated, born again. Lord, this is a work of your Spirit, not a work of man, a work of your Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, for revealing yourself to us. And we just pray, God, that you would continue to show yourself true day by day. Let your presence be known and peace be with us all. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 May your heart be filled with joy this morning as you consider He is risen. He's alive. He's good. He's almighty. He's all powerful. My Lord, my God, may that be your cry today. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.